Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, the title for our message today is Extracurricular. As we continue uh, the extra series we've been doing on Colossians here at Connect. A couple of weeks ago, we reflected on how we, uh, just like Jesus, are extraterrestrials. We are out of this world. Last week, we talked about the extra life that God has given us through Jesus Christ. And uh, here in chapter 3, as we get into that chapter, Paul makes a bit of a shift. And so we're going to be making it two. Uh, chapters 1 and 2, as they talk about who Christ is and, and what he's done for us by giving us the Holy Spirit, especially through baptism, uh, really focus on, on that side of things. But in chapter 3, uh, we talk about how we have been raised up from death, and so we therefore live out this extra life and new identity that God gives us. Um, so Paul's going to get into some specifics of what that looks like. And he really makes this shift in chapter 3, verse 1, uh, where, will you read this with me? Paul says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Now, those first two words are very important. If then, if then you have been raised with Christ... If then you have been given a brand new heart, if then you have been lifted up from the death of your sins, then seek the things that are above. And it's very important that we understand what Paul is doing here. Up to this point, he's been talking really about how we are saved, how we have been justified, how we are declared innocent in Christ. The rest of the book of Colossians really presupposes that justification. It's kind of predicated upon it. And so Paul starts to share with us some specifics of how to live out that life. In other words, what we've been hearing about the last couple weeks is about how we are saved. What we're going to be hearing about today and next week is primarily about how we should live now that we have already been saved. So it's vital that we don't misunderstand Paul's instructions here, what we're about to kind of look at today, as a recipe for how to be saved or how to get into God's good graces. He's going to share some specific sins to avoid and some specific Christian virtues to exhibit. And we have to remember that, that we're not saved by any of this stuff. We are saved by Christ and by Christ alone. We're saved because of the extra life that he gave us when we were dead. We're saved because, as Jesus himself said in our gospel reading today, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, not to condemn the world, but to save it, to save us through him. So if you, if you understand what I'm saying here, and I know there's not as many of us here today, and, and this is a very un-Lutheran thing to do, but can you give me a big hearty amen? Amen. Okay, thank you. So... We're calling our message today extracurricular because it starts to get into the stuff that we do once we've already been saved, right? So just like extracurricular activities are, are those things that students participate in outside of class, kind of beyond the baseline, uh, what Paul gives us here is how we are to live now that we've already been given new life and salvation through Jesus. So today's message is going to be a little bit more kind of law-focused than normal because that's really the main emphasis of Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be dealing with what's usually called uh, the third use of the law as God's goodwill for his creation is given to us to act as a guide uh, to show us how we can live 
out the identity that we have, how we can, can take hold of that spiritual life that God desires for us and, and desires of us in very real and practical ways. So we've dealt with one danger in approaching Paul's words here in Colossians chapter 3, the danger of confusing law and gospel and thinking that we're saved by these works that he's going to describe for us. The other danger, which I would say is just as prevalent in the church today, if not more so, is to act like none of these good works really matter. After all, Jesus died for our sins, so it doesn't really matter what we do with our lives, does it? Henry Melchior Muhlenberg, who has just a great name and is also considered the father of Lutheranism in America, put it very well when he said this, It seems as if the world does not wish to have anything to do with the whole of true Christianity. At once, either godliness without change of heart and faith, or faith without preceding change of heart and consequent sanctification, and regard this or that as orthodoxy. In other words, we have a tendency to either want to be saved by our own works apart from Christ, the first danger, or we say that since we've been saved by Christ, our works don't really matter, which is the second danger. But here in Colossians 3, after Paul has already spoken so fully of the fullness of Christ, now shares with us and shows us the fullness of Christianity. So in verse 2, he says, and will you read this one with me too? Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Having been saved by Christ, our lives ought to be governed by this heavenly perspective. Paul's not saying that the earth doesn't matter anymore. He's not telling us that, that we should be living up in the clouds. What he's saying is that we become what we think about. That our eyes and our ears are, are windows to our souls. So Paul is urging us to be what we already are. He's urging us to be what God has made us through Christ. He's urging us not to live up to our identity as if to earn it, but to live out our identity. And that's what chapter 3 is really about. So, here's how. Paul begins to describe what the Christian life ought to look like in verse 5 when he says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. He's telling us that you are extraterrestrial, so stop living like an earthling. You have been made alive through Christ, so stop living like you're still dead. You have died with Christ, so deal a death blow to the things that are earth, that are of earth, evil habits and, and thoughts and things like that. And then Paul gives us uh, the first of two kind of vice lists, these lists of of sins that we should avoid. And, and the first one really centers on sins of a sexual nature. Now, I'm, I want to be mindful of young ears here, so I'll be careful kind of how we talk about this, but I, I do want you to notice how Paul really doesn't hold back in talking about the, what a, a non-Christian life kind of looks like as he tells us to avoid that. And so the first, first phrase that he gives us, really the first word in Greek, is sexual immorality. He says, put to death sexual immorality in your life. The Greek word here is porneon. You can probably figure out what English word comes from that. Uh, this word refers to basically any kind of sexual behavior outside of marriage. It deals with living together before marriage. It deals with the, the things that, that we might look at on our computers or our phones. It deals with lusting after someone. 
in our heart. Now, in several of Paul's letters, he gives us these lists of sins to avoid that we should no longer take part in. And, and this word almost always appears first. I think probably because of how personal it is. I think also because of the damage it can do to us. I think also because of the prevalence of this particular sin in Paul's culture, which happens to be quite prevalent in ours as well. Paul goes on to say, put to death impurity, a word that literally means being not pure, being unclean sexually and and otherwise. He tells us to avoid passion. And what he's saying here is not that we shouldn't be passionate about things in our life. The Greek word here is pathos, and it, it refers to kind of letting yourself be governed and ruled by your emotions and your worldly desires. In 1 John, uh, the apostle reminds us that the, the world and its desires are passing away. And so he tells us that, that those worldly desires should be put to death in us as well, which Paul echoes here. Paul goes on to say we should also put to death any sort of evil desire, a wicked longing for the things that God has forbidden that that he knows are harmful to us. And then he ends this section by saying that we should kill off all covetousness in our heart, this, this desire to always have more, which we're kind of trained in our culture to do, to see other people as objects for our own gratification, to always have to acquire the newest and the best stuff. In his large catechism, uh, Martin Luther kind of famously says that uh, whatever you set your heart on, whatever you put your trust in, that is truly your God. And so Paul says that this is idolatry. Paul says in verse 6 that these things here are things that we should have nothing to do with. And he says that this is why the wrath of God is coming. He says that we once walked in these things, but now in our new life in Christ, we should have nothing to do with them. And then in verse 7, he goes on and gives us a second list of five sins to avoid. He starts out by talking about anger and wrath, kind of two almost synonymous words that really get at, at every aspect of anger, kind of that, that long, simmering, you know, boiling anger that's just always there that sort of accompanies a grudge. And kind of this, you know, short fuse, like explosive anger that always blows up in these fits of rage. Paul says to put away malice, the, the evil thoughts or dispositions that we have of or toward other people. He tells us to get rid of slander where we talk about others behind their back or, or spread rumors about them to damage their reputation. He says we should eradicate all kinds of obscene talk from our vocabulary, and kind of going with this theme of what we say, he tells us not to lie to one another. How can we lie to one another if we are filled with the one who is himself the truth? So the way that we treat one another, the the things that we do, the things that we think, and, and the things especially that we say, all reflect who we really are. And Paul is telling us, let your actions and your words reflect who you really are. Those who have been saved by Jesus. Now, as we went through this list of sins, as you kind of look at those, either in your sermon outline or up on the screen, 
maybe one or two of them were kind of, kind of zingers for you. Maybe they hit a little too close to home and, and cut you to the heart. In fact, I pray that that's true for you. Because the Christian life isn't one that's just automatically free from this sort of thing. The Christian life is a constant battle against these sins. The Christian life is a daily, constant return to our baptism where we die again with Christ and are raised to new life. So, remember that that the Bible says in 1 John that if we say we have no sin, we're, we're lying to ourselves. But, that if we confess our sins, that God forgives us every single time. And so if one of these kind of hit a little too close to home, hear right now that you are forgiven in Christ. You have been rescued from these things. Now, let's put them away. And as we do, Paul gives us a new wardrobe to put on. Something that, that is kind of, it's this list of Christian virtues that, that Paul is asking us to practice and to demonstrate in our life. So he starts out by saying, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. A really literal translation of this phrase is uh, bowels of mercy, uh, which is really kind of gross. But it's meant to to have us think about the compassion that we have and, and to let it be something that we feel deep inside of us as we love other people. In our relations to others, we should show kindness. Our lives ought to be marked by humility. Uh, This one in particular would have stood out to the Colossians because humility was not seen as as a great virtue in Paul's time. In fact, it was seen as a weakness. It was understood as, as a disposition fit only for slaves. And maybe it's not too different nowadays as we think about our athletes, our politicians. Oftentimes, it's those who who brag most openly about themselves that are lifted up in our culture. But we, as Christians, are called to something different. We're called to display the mind of Christ, the one who humbled himself to come down and to save us. And so as we do that, we should practice meekness and patience. We are called to bear with one another. Uh, One of my pastor friends this past week just shared a a quote from the Brothers Karamazov, that great Dostoevsky novel. Um, And the quote is this, One can love one's neighbors in the abstract, but at close quarters, it's almost impossible. Um, And that was true in in Russia when Fyodor was writing, and, and we know from our experience how true that is today. But as Christians, we should always be giving our love to others in close quarters, because we've been called to bear with one another and we've been called to forgive one another. We heard in, in 1 John earlier in our video that, that we love because he first loved us. It's also true that, that we forgive because he first forgave us. And then in verse 14, Paul says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, if you're taking notes in your sermon outline, I'd encourage you maybe just circle this one like, 27 times or something like that, because this is the culmination of all Christian virtue. Without love, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we are nothing. Without love, all of the other virtues we've been looking at so far aren't real. They're false. They're hollow. Love is the distinctive mark 
of what it means to live our life as a Christian. And when we love, it impacts our relationship with others, with the church, and with God. When we love, we are letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. When we are loving one another, we are being thankful for what God has done for us. When we love, we are letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly through teaching and admonishing and singing. So all of this that's up in front of you right now, all of it is, is summed up really, really well. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the ancient world, uh, religion was a very important and pervasive thing in society. But it really oftentimes had nothing to do with your everyday life and morality. Paul, on the other hand, is saying that our entire lives, every aspect of our life, is to be determined by the lordship of Jesus. And that should be the case for us. So I'd encourage you to to go home and and to reflect on what we've been talking about from Colossians chapter 3, these these two lists. And and as you do that, here's my challenge for you. Put them back up there for you. You have them in your sermon outline. Take that home with you and choose one from each list. Maybe a sin that you've been wrestling with more than the others. Or a virtue that that just really hasn't been as evident in your life as you know it ought to be. And, and focus on those things. See if you can uh, improve in that. Let the peace of Christ uh, rule in your hearts more as you avoid that sin and as you practice that virtue. And as you do that, please remember that you are loved by Jesus. For every time that you have failed in any of this, You have been forgiven of all of your sins, past, present, and future. And here's why. Because Jesus Christ is the one who came and and put to death in his body all of the stuff on the left. Jesus is the one who truly, without fail, had a compassionate heart as he felt our need in his own human body that he took on for our sake. Jesus is the one who with his life and his death, exhibited kindness and humility, meekness and patience. He is the one who who bore with us by bearing his cross for us. He is the one who forgave us by dying for us, showing us the greatest of love. And for that reason, if then you have been raised with Christ, which you absolutely have, it is your privilege to put to death the things of this earth and to live like the extraterrestrials with extra life that you truly are, living extracurricular by doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So next week, uh, we will wrap up our extra series on Colossians as we look at, at Paul's instructions on how to live out our ordinary roles in life in extraordinary ways. In the meantime, may the peace of Christ, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.